when you say don't make it a binary conversation, don't make it adversarial, meaning it's not you versus the pastor and whoever can argue the best or negotiate the best is going to win. But if you say, how do we work towards that? Now it's you and him working toward a common goal. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Taihua here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're answering the question, how do you ask your pastor for a raise? Hey, John. Ty, it's good to see your smiling face. Glad to be here. <laughs> it's so good. You know, um, I'm, I'm excited. We have a really important shout out to give for this episode. Oh, <laughs> are you, boy. Are you as excited as I am? You go for it. <laughs> so, dear listeners, we're, we're excited to be bringing you today's episode, but we do have to give a shout out to uh, our diocese favorite vocations director, Father Travis Crotty, who is supposed to be recording with us tonight, but uh, was unable to due to an unforeseen scheduling conflict. And so we just want to give him... <laughs> it's unforeseen because he didn't look at his <laughs> calendar. Because he didn't put it in the calendar. <laughs> so anyway, you know, dear listeners, Catholic ministry professionals that are listening, we, we've got real priests lined up, hopefully, to uh, <laughs> do some interviews here. Father Travis Crotty, we can't wait to have a conversation with you it's going to be great and of course we got to give you a little bit of a a ribbing here for (laughs) for not being here today but we do have some good things in the works and and today's episode how to ask your pastor for a raise i think that this will um i think this will be something that's really interesting to a lot of people um this i i'm gonna go out and just predict this may be the next most listened to episode. It it'll be interesting to see uh, it, it what happens from here. Absolutely, and and it it does. We're I'm learning a lot as I look at the as I look at the metrics on the other side because even our first episodes, people still find them, you know, and then they see the title and they go, oh, I want to listen to that. So it's always telling, like, oh, these are the things that are weighing on the minds of the people who work for the church. And so this specific episode is, is coming from a while back. Um, it's, it's timely because I just had a conversation with another Catholic ministry professional that had received their first significant pay increase in their entire career. And, and their, their career has been about 30 years, right? So getting close to retirement age. And the only reason that it, it went through was because they're getting close to retiring and, and told the pastor point blank, look, you'll never be able to hire someone that's a quality Catholic ministry professional for the salary you're currently paying me. So if you want to make the position attractive to bring in someone who's, who's going to do this work that I've been doing for 30 years, you're going to have to do something with the budget and how much this position is paid out. And, and they didn't need the extra money. You know, that wasn't a ploy to make extra money before retirement. Their spouse made um, enough to cover their expenses. And, and honestly, that's a beautiful gift, right? If you're in that position where you don't need the money and you can give that gift of your time, your talent, your work, the sweat of your brow to the church, that's awesome. But if that's not your situation and you'd like a primer on how to ask your your boss for a raise, how to ask your pastor for a raise, we are here to help. And I think a lot of our 
our listeners, especially the young Catholic ministry professionals, the, the ones that find real value in their work and they're trying to balance the whole, like, ministry doesn't pay a lot, but I also need to feed my family equation. This is going to be a really valuable episode for you. And because money is such an untouchable topic among church workers, right, it it's hard to know if you're getting paid fairly. And so even if you Google search it, you know, it, it's, there's just such a diversity of positions and titles. And even within the Catholic Church, whether you're at the diocesan level, you could be a director of formation. And whether you're at the parish level, you could be a director of formation. And it might be two different salaries. And again, all this information, I, I did a quick Google search. And, and all the information that's available online, it's it's kind of interesting how the big swing on what in your mind would be a similar positions, the big swing on the salaries for though. Um, so just, it's, it's kind of hard to know, like, should I be asking for a raise? How do I balance that need with the practical reality of the church and where they're at? So I just wanted to throw these numbers out there just because I found it interesting when I Googled it. Um, the average salary, and I just went with a director of formation position from salary.com. It says the average salary in the United States would be $50,000 and 841. $50,841 per year. Glassdoor.com, though, it, it said that the average would be 74000 But that included things like bonuses and commissions and all these things that I've never been paid. <laughs> so I don't know Wait, if they were... How do you earn commission as a director of faith formation? I, I just think the number of souls you sell to Jesus is that... Mm. I think that's how it is. Okay, and Jesus. So, <laughs> I just don't know exactly how that works. It it wasn't something that was offered to me in my benefits package as I was um, working for the church. So as we dive into this, though, I know it's a big topic. It's something that does weigh on our minds and, and in our hearts, and it's something we have to balance. And I just want to prime it a little bit by saying, as we look at this, as we look at whether to ask your pastor for a raise, or if you're at that point where it's like, yeah, I keep getting this stuff added to my plate, and, and there hasn't been any reflection over the last three, four, five, ten years that I've been at this parish. There hasn't been a reflection in my salary to the increase in responsibility and workload. Then we just want to look at that as being another crucial conversation. And this is what we've been talking about all along is how important these crucial conversations are to move forward the work in the church. And uh, we'll get into some really key points here, but just to remind you, that crucial conversation, the way we've framed it, we, we take it from a book, Crucial Conversations. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes. But especially as you're looking at, at approaching your pastor with a conversation like this, you might, you're might you going to want to be prepared. You're, you're going to want to do that so that your mind can be at peace with the conversation as you approach it. But one of those basic patterns that we put out, the, the acronym CPR, if you're having a crucial conversation, you just tell them the content. This is the conversation, the reality. This is the pattern that's developed. I'm getting more added to my plate, but it isn't ever reflected in my um, in my salary. And the relationship might simply be because of this. I'm spending less time with my family, and and it's it's not benefiting my family in any way. And so needing to balance that out. So that would be a really simple way to look at it. Uh, but we're going to look at three key points here. If you want to approach your pastor, and and it's time, and you need to have this crucial conversation about um, an increase in pay, we've got three key points we want to go over. The first one is, as you approach them, don't make it a binary conversation. That's the first one. The second one is that that you need to really be confident in entering into that conversation by knowing what your accomplishments are, what value you've brought to the parish, 
and the number that you need to see reflected in your paycheck. And then finally, the third part is simply you just need to follow up on the conversation. And that kind of flows from that first one. So let's, should we pull these apart a little bit, Ty? Should we dive in a little deeper? Yeah, let's get into it. Awesome. So that first, that first key point, that first thought that we really want to enter into this conversation is that it's not a binary conversation. By that, I mean binary, meaning that there's only one or two, one of two answers possible, either yes, a raise or no raise. You don't want to enter into it like that. You don't want it to be like, yes, give me a raise, or if the no, then I leave. That's a binary conversation. And and this is this is important because if you walk in and just say, give me a raise or I'm walking, and your pastor says no immediately, well, you've already lost the negotiation before you even had a conversation. You have to decide between either tucking your tail between your leg and staying at work or finding a new job, right? That's the position you put yourself in. Um, so what, you know, kind of what's the best way to do this and I honestly think the best way to approach this conversation is to do it when you're hired, right? If you can set it up and front load that conversation from the beginning that you just want to talk to your pastor in those negotiations when you're discussing your pay and what the job looks like, just like, hey, Father, what is the process for professional review and for discussing pay increase? Because this makes it an ongoing conversation. It just sets it up. It front loads it from the beginning. And, you know, even if you do this, you you want to get that summed up in writing. Like that's a part of the position description. Or get it in an email from your pastor. Because then when you bring it up, it's not a surprise to the pastor. He hasn't completely forgotten about it. And, and it also signals to them that you're playing on that level. Like you're not just here to do Jesus arts and crafts and collect a paycheck. You're here to build the kingdom. And you're here seriously. And that, that means that it needs to build for you a way that you can live your life as well as do this work. And so um, if you didn't do this when you started your job, though, um, focusing on not making it a binary conversation or just focusing it on the future so your entry into the conversation isn't like, hey, give me a raise or else. It's, Father, I really want to focus on my future here at the parish. So how can we build towards a scenario where we can justify this salary increase? You're making it about the future of the position. So he knows it's not, I just need more money. It's, I really care about this parish. I want it to work out for both of us. How do we build towards that future together? Does it does that come across? Okay, yeah. Ty? I mean, you're what you're trying to set up is when you say don't make it a binary conversation, don't make it adversarial, meaning it's not you versus the pastor and whoever can argue the best or negotiate the best is going to win. Um, when you put somebody in that position, it's very offensive. Like they will take offense to it and they will do everything to protect. Uh, I, I hate even saying that, but protecting the church's assets in terms of cash flow. But if you say, how do we work towards that? Now it's you and him working toward a common goal. So if you don't make it binary, your chances of of actually getting the result that you want go up significantly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a good way to sum it up. So then that second key point we want to keep in mind as we approach this conversation is that you just you do need to be confident and you're going to be confident by knowing that you have brought real value to the parish and being able to present that to the pastor. You know, in a sense you're making your case, but it also shows that that you're again, it's not just an empty play for more money. It, it's a real building towards something together. And so you need to know kind of what your number is and what you're looking for. And again, having that number 
ahead of time versus, you know, kind of waiting for the, the pastor to say what he's willing to do, but say, this is, this is where I'd like to be. That can give you a lot of confidence to work towards that in the conversation. And so um, this, is, this is where, I, I know it's not all about the numbers. We talk about that in ministry a lot, but um, this is where the numbers do come in handy. So if you've done any tracking or if you can look back over time, you know, you need to think about how you did bring value to the parish. And so here's just some questions for, uh, to get the ball rolling as, as you're preparing to approach your pastor. You know, maybe you, did, did you implement a text to give option that actually boosted weekend tithing by 5%, 3%, 10%, whatever it might be? You know, if you're running a youth group, did you quadruple the youth group numbers? Have you had a positive impact in the number of people that are participating in ministries? Maybe you built like a massive social media following that now is able to crowdfund special ministry initiatives or provide scholarships for people that that want to go to Steubenville. Um, did you know? Did you bring people into the RCIA program that are now regular givers? They're regular volunteers. They add value to the parish, and you're that hinge point where people are coming in. You know, maybe you, um, maybe just the way that you manage the volunteers has allowed for there to be a lot more robust and life giving ministry that's valued. You know, so you're really looking at in all of these areas, whatever it might be that you did, um, or, or in whatever ways you added value to the parish. There's an economic reality that that can be discussed that is a part of this discussion that really needs to be a part of this discussion. The next thing I would say is in the realm of this, like knowing your accomplishments and your numbers, keep it in the last six to 12 months. Make sure it's current because if you haven't contributed to the parish, if you haven't built anything in the last three to five years because you've been kind of burnt out and just limping along, it's going to be really hard to justify a pay increase. And you can't just say, well, I don't work harder because you don't pay me more because mm. that doesn't, that do, yeah, it doesn't show the value that you're, you're trying to get paid for. And so it's gut check time and you really have to consider, have I contributed to the parish in terms of growth? You know, and, and if you haven't, then you don't deserve a raise. Yeah. The last thing you want to do walking into a meeting with the pastor to get a raise is to walk out with a uh, improvement plan. I would say, though, you know, that's still better than nothing. That might get the ball moving forward for you, which then can lead to that. If it really is, you know, as long as you didn't make it a binary conversation, that that might still be better than not ever having the conversation. Yeah. So one other thing that I will touch on that you'd said earlier or previously is like a really good time to talk about this is when you're getting hired. Same with all of these KPIs, because that's what it is. Key performance Mm -hmm. indicators. Father, what is it in this role? What are you looking for to get out of this role? Like, how do I know I'm being successful in my role when we do a performance review a year from now? Right? Mm -hmm. Are you looking to improve on your social, our social media, uh, the youth group, um, you know, text to, to give campaigns, all of those different things? Are we looking to get more um, participants within the RCIA program? Or are we trying to maintain that level if it's already that good? Or whatever it is, how do I know that within a year's time, I'm doing my job well enough that I'm confident in where I'm at? Or I can come to you to say, hey, I really need help. I know you're looking to build this text to, to give campaign, and I don't know where to start, right? It just builds 
or at least it, it lays down the groundwork ahead of time to have those conversations. Because if you've never had these conversations before and all of a sudden you're walking into his office on some random Tuesday, um, just saying, hey, father, I, I need a raise. Right. And also mm-hmm. one other thing, know your number, because I, I literally just had this happen with a coworker where he was complaining about well, he wasn't even complaining. You could, you could tell in his whole demeanor that he had checked out, just hated the company, hated being there. And I finally kind of called him out and I just said, what's going on? Like, you're, you're not the same person that started here two years ago. Like what's going on? He's like, yeah, I haven't had a raise and they keep pushing me uh, or kicking the can down the road. And so, um, you know, I talked to his manager. I'm like, hey, I, I really don't want to lose this guy because he's he's awesome. Um, he's just a little bit in the rut right now. So he, eventually he got a meeting with the uh, another manager and he got a raise. And you would think that he was excited about it and he was, you know, refreshed and motivated no it was the exact opposite he got a raise but it wasn't enough oh. and you know what it did it sent him even deeper into the pits he's like is that all i'm worth it's like no that's mm-hmm. all you sold yourself for because you oh. didn't know your number you didn't lay out all of the different things that you've added to your um you know repertoire of of accomplishments that you've done up until now so you wanted a raise they gave you a raise they felt good about it but you didn't so mm-hmm. do your homework know what you're bringing to the the parish uh to the ministry and then know what you're you're looking to get out of it mm-hmm. and and this is this honestly i think is probably a, a tough concept for a lot of catholic ministry professionals because even as we're going through our college courses, our theology courses, it just gets pounded to our heads. Oh, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm never going to make much money. And and that is not the point here. Because if you've gone 15 years without any kind of raise, that's a, I, I think that, the, I don't know if social justice issue is the right word to be put out there, but there needs to be some kind of conversation around that. And I don't know what that number is to make that right for you and for your family and um, to be able to have peace of mind so you can more fully give yourself to the church. Because the other thing that happens then is you check out. Like you're saying, Ty, this guy did. He checked out because he didn't get that number. You don't get that number you need. And well, now you're looking at different side gigs and side hustles that you can do to make ends meet. And that further divides your attention from your work and your family. And that doesn't do a service to the church either. So there's a lot of ways to approach this question. you know. But one of those big things is just what is that number for you? And you you need to know that. And it's going to give you a lot of confidence entering into that because you can really say, what what is that number that I need um, or, or that I would like to work towards in order to have a better work-life balance that makes sense for, for my family, for my parish? Um, and so, you know, that might that might that means if you need to know a few things. One is that that fair market amount, you know, that we talked about above, kind of that average amount. Um, you know, it might, there might also be intangibles that make it worth your while. And so that's, I think that's another thing that's worth thinking about. So, um, you know, if you've got two weeks of PTO, you know, could you negotiate for 12 weeks of PTO? Cause that's, that's not insignificant. And so if you need more time with your family, time that you can have off that you're still getting paid for, that's another trade 
you know, what else would make it worthwhile? Um, you know, maybe you're traveling. I, I worked at a parish that it was a 45 minute commute in the morning and it was an, an hour long, hour and 15 minutes in the evening on the way home. And so part of my salary package was mileage reimbursement, you know, and, and as I look back, I, I probably should have done more of the math because <laughs> I, I think I probably got reimbursed a penny per mile by the time of all was said and done, you know, but maybe you need increased mileage reimbursement, which, you know, that, that adds up. And, and there's, there's other intangibles that might help bridge the gap too, like offloading a ministry or sunsetting a ministry. Well, maybe we can't give you more money, but we can take something off your plate. Mm-hmm. Or in our digital age, and I, I really believe this more and more, the value of virtual assistants and what they could potentially do to help coordinate communications, um, other aspects of the job. And it's it's not super expensive. It comes with some other skill sets that would need to be implemented and, and some training that would have to come in. But it could be another way it'd be that could help you to offload and and one of those intangible negotiables within the context of this conversation. One thing that I thought of that you, you may completely cut out, but like, what if your pastor does say no? Like, where do you go from there? <laughs> no, that's a really good question. Uh, because I, my initial thought, if you're going to approach your pastor, um, and, and this is, I think I actually have this later on in the notes, but if your pastor says no, and, and it, it's entirely possible that that'll be their their default, especially if you're coming out of left field, like just slapping them across the face with this conversation. No forewarning, no like, hey, I'd really like to talk about the future of this. Can we pencil a time for next week or later this week so they can kind of front load it? Um, they might just say like, no, we can't do that. I don't have time for this conversation. Some form of not now. And I, I think, honestly, um, what's really important when we do that is to make sure that you don't, you don't take it personally. Because an immediate no isn't necessarily a no. It's a um, no it, for now. It's a no for now. You need to be prepared for that if you're having this conversation. You need to make sure you don't take it personal. Um, and when I say that, I, I, I think that you need to just not get on the defensive if he's not immediately on the board. Um, because mm-hmm. it, might, it, might, it might take some conversation. It might take some negotiation. It might take some of those things. And the more you can keep your cool, um, the, more, the more better. <laughs> the better that's going to go for you in the long run. And I think, too, it's, it's, in, it's all in how you frame it. Because if you, like you said, if you, you're just hitting them cold where it's like, hey, I need a raise or I'm walking or we need to talk about my raise. Well, he's probably worried about a lot of other things. Not, not to say that the, the raise isn't important, but you need to frame it like, hey, I, Father, I need to have a conversation with you about my performance and all of the things that um, I do in my ministry role or my parish role. Um, I would like to talk to you about a potential raise. Uh, I want to put that on your plate. We don't have to have that conversation now, but just pray on it. Just think about it. And then I'd like to set up a, a time to, to do a performance review and talk about that. So now that gives him that awareness that you're also thinking about it, but then gives him time to formulate, you know, maybe, yeah, that's right. John does deserve a raise. 
Or it's like, actually, I've been meaning to talk to you because there are certain areas in your job description that I don't think you're um, really performing well. And like you said, that may, that may be a good thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, there's a couple other things I can think of too, is just that then becomes a new conversation and it, it might be whether or not it's time to move on. Uh, because I, I really believe if, if you're an excellent employee, there are people who want you working for them and it might not necessarily be in ministry, um, but in a bigger city, there's usually other parishes and they know the good profession, Catholic ministry professionals in the area, and they probably would love to have you. The other thing is, then it just becomes a conversation about personal boundaries then. Well, Father, I'm at a point where something's got to give. You know, if you're not ready to leave, then it's, so we need to talk a little more seriously about how we divide this work. Yeah, so I, I feel like I, I kind of want to bring it back to how we got onto this talk. What if your pastor says no? Um backtrack just a little bit to how it's how important it is not to make it personal as you're trying to list your accomplishments and your number. Um, you really want to make sure that it is focused on on those things and the value you bring and maybe even a little bit of work-life balance, but you don't want to make it personal about how hard it is to afford milk or about the cost of daycare. You're, you're not negotiating on, on those specific things or the in, or those um, those real frustrations you have to try and make ends meet on your end because to, it's just not your pastor's job to balance your budget at the end of the day. On the other hand, I did get a message from a listener that really wanted this topic, and I could tell he felt a lot of frustration over the amount of work that was on his plate, like just this constant onslaught of, of events and liturgies to plan and all of these all of these other things that were just all on his plate and all of these hats that he had to wear and how it didn't feel like he was being compensated for the work that he was doing now that to me is a real negotiation point hey father you've consistently added more and more and more to my plate i am constantly on the go and i haven't been given an appropriate raise that is in proportion to that increase in work and responsibility and so that still isn't getting defensive about or making it personal. That's a re- reality of the job and how it's evolved and how that needs to be, again, reflected in how we're remunerated. Or what a really good question to ask is, Father, you've consistently put on more work onto my plate, which is okay, but then it begs the question, what other ministerial things do you want me to not accomplish so that I can accomplish the new things you've already put on my plate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to, to pick and choose your battles. And this is one where you literally let them pick and choose. Okay, Father, you want me to start a new XYZ ministry, but I'm still trying to execute on ABC ministry. So do you want me to stop doing that to pick up on the new one? Or can you help me understand like how I'm supposed to balance those. Absolutely. So that, that, that's those first two key points we wanted to make. Don't make it a binary conversation. And then be confident by knowing your accomplishments and your number. Um, the final one is you just simply want to follow up on it. And, and this does flow from making sure it's not a binary conversation. But if your boss does need time to think it over, right, it's not an immediate yes, which may not 
be a blanket no, uh, but put a deadline on that follow up, right? One of our favorite things you got to put things on the calendar. So you just you just say, all right, I understand. You know, this is where the conversation's at so far. When would be a good time for me to follow up on this conversation? Or, you know, is next week a bad time to follow up on that conversation? So that you can put you can put a, your mark on it. He, he's not going to be overly annoyed that you're following up because you're having him in the conversation about how to follow up even. Um, so put a date on it, put a, put a reminder in there, and then he can't quote unquote forget that you, that you had the meeting or where the conversation was. So yeah, a really good summary of what you talked about. When can I follow up? When would be a good day to follow up? Put it on the calendar, send him, send him a Google invite and, and let that happen. Yep. But I'd, I'd say like any conf- crucial conversation, how we started this, you just need to start the conversation, right? Yes, come prepared, but be bold. Trust in the Lord. You know, I, I don't think you're going to lose your job for broaching the topic. Just make sure to, to think your reasons through ahead of time and, and be careful not to get huffy. You know, don't walk in there looking for a fight. Don't be entitled. Don't get defensive, but be practical. You know, be consistent and, and be really excellent. And I, I think it'll be a positive conversation for you and your pastor. Yep. Well, with that, let's move on to the devil's advocate. <laughs> dun dun. John, it's ministry. You're, you're not supposed to get rich doing it. And you knew that when you signed up. So what is this about making more money and asking for a raise, shouldn't you just do your job and then go home to your family and wake up the next morning and do it again? Just bury your cross. Yeah, exactly. Just bury your cross. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've actually had, um, I've worked in ministries where the boss starts you in that path by like preps you by saying that, right? This is a ministry. It comes with sacrifice. Catholic schools beat their employees over the heads with this. That was my personal experience, right? So a lot of the times they're, they're going to use that same justification when they ask you to do just one more thing, right? Well, I'm just going to ask you to do this one more thing. I know it's a lot, but, you know, this is the ministry. This is the job. This is what it is. Um, but they're not going to pay you more to do it, you know, and, they, they, and they, then they heap on one more thing, and then you get more responsibility, and it continues to grow, and maybe it's incrementally at first, you know, but then you've eventually got this position that was built up over time where anybody who comes in to replace you is already coming in overworked and underpaid. And it's it's a res- recipe for burnout, and it's not a recipe for building the future of the church. And so, yes, no, we, we don't want wealth to become our idol, right? Um, you know, Jesus preaches against wealth a lot. But even Jesus says the worker deserves his pay. And so we have to get over this idea that money is a taboo topic for the church. We just need to know that there's a line and there's a practical line. You know, a lot of, a lot of Catholic schools, a lot of parishes are still operating off a system that, that counted on nuns and priests to work for pennies. You know, but now the priests and the nuns, they're not there anymore. Those spots are filled by laity who stepped up to fill that gap. And the laity have families. So it's a necessary topic for where the church is at right now. And it shouldn't be taboo. If we look at Acts, the book of Acts, one of the first things that the church does after they're given the gift of the Holy Spirit and they're sent out is that they start 
collecting money from people who sold their property. Property. Collecting money was one of the first things the church did. Managing money was one of the first things the church did. Distributing money justly was one of the first things that the church did. And it wasn't some devious scheme. It wasn't a yucky topic. It was a practical reality. It was a response to the need of the church. So again, money can't be a taboo topic. It has to be a practical necessity. And we need to do better as a church. We need to steward our resources, and that includes especially even our human resources. But also, I would say, as Catholic ministry professionals, we need to do better at advocating for ourselves and and not feeling bad about it because it's just a practical reality of life. I think there's a lot of former Catholic ministry professionals that have gotten jaded by this very issue that don't have a, a good experience with church air quote church anymore that Mm -hmm. they have this animosity towards the church because they were taken advantage of for so many years and you know some even go as far as leaving the church because of you know injustices in their pay and it's just it's a terrible thing to suppress and wait until it boils over and all of a sudden now you're not a forget not being a catholic professional you're no longer a catholic like how it's just terrible. Or even they, they are Catholic, but they're actually the worst kind because every conversation they have with all the other Catholics is geared negatively towards the mm. church because yep. they're jaded. Yep, they're you just know? festering. So they're, they're like an enemy behind the lines, you yep. know? And, and, and so, go ahead. And what a great tool for the devil. Yeah. And that's why, the, again, it's not wrong to have these conversations. The beauty of it is that it brings this this thing that actually is, the word I think you used was festering, or at least that's what yeah. I heard in my brain. This thing that's festering inside of you, it brings it into the light, right? The devil plays in the dark, and he's playing with that, that deep-seated you know, unhappiness about this reality. If you can bring that conversation into light with your pastor, at least the devil can't play with it. He can't use it against you in your ministry. Mm-hmm. So that's a beautiful thing to bring that into the light. And again, it's it's just a good practical conversation and I know I know it's scary. It can be a scary, it can be an intimidating conversation, but no one else is going to have it for you. And so just broach the topic. Walk boldly. Mm, do the new thing. Amen, amen. Um <laughs> Are you seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs> there's no there's no yep. practical actionable step. Yeah, I, I do it. As well, soon no, as I... I I think the the actionable step is to do those three things, right? So mm-hmm. you go in there. It, I think the first thing is you got to decide, like, hey, this is going to be a, a, an important thing to to actually have a conversation about. And the first thing is don't make it binary. Second thing, know your accomplishments know your number and it's going to take a lot of research and and just rolling up your sleeves to say what is it that i actually do for the parish what are my kpis can i lay out any kpis right maybe it's a gut check where you're like man i i feel i deserve a raise but i can't justify a raise therefore now i need that is my goal that is my goal for the next six months and if you can't do that, well, now we have to look at, okay, what is the exit plan? Hopefully, 
It's the other way where you're actually building up that professional side and it's no longer just the spiritual work that you're doing. And I'm using air quotes on spiritual work that at the end of the day, you're like, I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not fulfilled in what I do within church ministry and I need to leave. So there's your actual steps. Absolutely. And then put a date in the calendar to talk to your pastor about it. Yeah, that's that may be the most important step. Because mm-hmm. if you don't follow up on it, they're just going to take that as a sign that you don't want it. Or it wasn't that important. You just needed to, to vent or air out your frustrations, and then you were good. That'll preach. All right, friends, thank you for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals Podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor or a friend in Catholic ministry, especially the one that you know that feels like they need a raise, all right, so that others can find out about the, new sh- about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. Um, and, and give us some feedback. If it's been a while or if you haven't yet, if you've been along on the journey, just give us a little feedback. Um, give us a five-star rating. Uh, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, and uh, and or email us at catholicmenpros at gmail.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard. <laughs> <laughs>